Welcome to Despirituality. We hope you've enjoyed our last couple of episodes that are talking really about building non-traditional church, understanding the Gentile Jewish churches, how the world pivoted and changed of the Christians to be able to open the doors and reach more people. Now, if you're listening to this and maybe you're not a Christian, maybe you're just you know a spiritual person, you're not really into church, That's we're trying to talk about what can make church better for you. What can make church accessible to you? And and we would love to have you uh, uh, send us a message if you want to on the site about more things we can talk about, our ideas we can have. But what I want to go through today with my guest, Parker uh, Allen, Kenzo Chua, and Stone Eliezer, we've got a, a generational balance here, is 14 ideas for building the 21st century church. That's what we want to get into. They're just, they're just some, 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 you know, I don't know, really... I think, uh, interesting ideas that we can take a look at. Um, one of the things to know is this. There are more, and this is a, a, an article called Eight Reasons People Are Living De- Leaving Denominational Churches for Non-Denominational Churches. There are more than 12 million people who affiliate with non-denominational churches. The research found at least 35,000 non-denominational churches in America. Non-denominational churches are in 88% of the counties in the United States. And non-denominational churches are one of the top five largest religious groups in 48 of the 50 states and the District of Columbia. Rodney Stark, one of the foremost uh, religious scholars, has an article called Why Non-Denominational Churches Are Winning Over Mainline Churches. Mainline churches practice a more traditional model. Non-denominational churches tend to practice a more non-traditional model. And this is what Stark points out. Stark points out another example of how denominational identity has lost its importance. Some churches just appear to be non-denominational. Rick Warren, best-selling author of The Purpose Driven Life, is pastor of Saddleback Church in Lake Forest, California, which is a Southern Baptist church. Now, here's here's what Stark says. I bet half the people who go there don't know, Stark says, because Warren doesn't make a big point out of it. I think in that sense, denominationalism has receded. Now, I'm not against denominations. I don't think Stark is either. But he's saying that people now are looking for something that isn't so much about, you know, I've got to have my uh, Baskin-Robbins, you know, flavor of church. And if it's not my Baskin-Robbins flavor of church, then I don't know how to be comfortable there. Uh, He's talking about something radically this different. And it's interesting, in Romans 15 and verse 20, it says, Thus I make it my ambition, this is Paul talking, Thus I make it my ambition to proclaim the good news, not where Christ has already been named, so that I do not build on someone else's foundation. But as it is written, those who have never been told of him shall see, and those who have never heard of him shall understand. When I became a Christian, it was transformative because it opened the door for me to gain more emotional intelligence, more social intelligence, it allowed me to begin to unravel and, and, and break some of the dysfunctions I had that caused damage in relationships, damage in my mentality about life. It allowed me to get a different view of God and to understand, see God as uh, Professor Kenzel has talked about in earlier episodes, to see God as a can God rather than a can't God. And so I think that really was helpful for me. And I, 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 I just have a belief that 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 people would be so much happier if they knew about the good news that exists in the Bible without all of the rule and moral judgment that I'm not saying we shouldn't be moral. I'm not saying we shouldn't have 
a degree of spiritual righteousness. But I think there's got to be a motivation of love that comes out of and a motivation that comes out of awareness ourselves of where we're at and a, a desire to inspire rather than to just convert and bring people into our in, into agreement with our beliefs. A new Harvard research says that U.S. Christianity is not shrinking, but growing. Here's a quote from that article. People are making theological statements with their feet, shuffling to certain churches because they offer what people come seeking. Clear, faithful, practical teaching of the scriptures. Help in living intimately with and obediently to God and making friends with people who will challenge and encourage them in their faith. To paraphrase the great Southern novelist Flannery O'Connor, if your church isn't going to believe and practice actual Christianity, then, quote, to blank with it, unquote. This is what people are saying with their choices. People are leaving because they don't just want to be part of a system. They want to actually experience God. They, that's what they're looking for. The Southern Baptist Church has seen one million people leave in the last 15 years. I don't think that's because there's anything wrong with the Southern Baptist Church. I think it's because people are saying, I'm looking for something less traditional. I don't, I, I, I'm, I'm not trying to poo-poo on anybody. I think our, my background is Church of Christ, uh, Christian Church, and there are people leaving those churches. They're leaving all the mainline churches because they're saying, I find more satisfaction in going out into nature, going on a mountain, and, 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 and getting some sense of meditative, reflective exposure to my inner life than I do when I walk into a systems church that says, here's where you sit, this what you sing, this what you do, and here's the rules, and if you don't follow them, get out. I just think we have to think about that. Now, some people say, well, no, I know about churches that are growing. I, I, they're, they're growing a lot. A lot of people are going. I, well, one thing you need to understand is this. There's an article called Shuffling Sheep. Church growth does not necessarily equal reaching people. One of the things that's begun to happen societally is churches are claiming growth from what's called sheep shuffling, where basically Christians who go to one church leave it and go to another church. If you do a little research, you'll find that many megachurches, the reason their attendance has gone up is because the megachurch has a gym, the mega church has a, a nursery, maybe a school. And so somebody going to a church of a of hundred people and the average church in America is about 75 people. So someone going to a 75 to hundred member church goes, Hey, I want a gym. I want a nursery. I want a school. So they leave that church to go to the mega church. So all total, all this happened is you shuffled a sheep from one church to another church but you called it growth. But the total number of people who have faith in God did not increase. You may have increased the size of that church, but you have increased the number of people who know God. And so in this article, Shuffling Sheep, Church Growth Does Not Necessarily Equal Reaching People, churches can grow through conversion or the reaching of lost people through the proclamation of the gospel and they're accepting it in faith. Consider this birthing sheep. So he says there's something called birthing sheep where people find God for the first time. And that's one way churches grow. But a church can also grow through transfer or the moving of existing Christians from one church to another. Think of this latter approach as shuffling sheep. You know, we could easily say the 14 ideas for building the 21st century church that we're going to go through 
are all about not just shuffling sheep. And, and, and this is this is a big issue because what happens and I, I, I've seen it. I've been a part of it where people basically transfer numbers of Christians from one church to another and call that my church is growing. Well, okay, you can't argue that the number of people in your church increased, but the number of people who were inspired to believe in God or have faith or experience a spiritual walk with God has not changed. Again, another quote from the article, too often today, church growth is really shuffling sheep, not reaching new people. This is true for existing churches and church plants. In both instances, local churches are attempting to reach people. And at both instances, it is very common that to equate to attracting people who are already Christians. In other words, in any given city, churches who are growing from transfer growth are doing so because other churches in that town are losing members. Where is the overall growth in any of that? It is merely the shuffling of sheep from one pastor to the next. And so this could easily be the sheep shuffling episode, because I think one of the problems we have is that oftentimes as people who attend churches, we're in argument about what church will attend. I'm going to go over here. I'm going to go over there. And a lot of that is just insular conversation. And increasingly, there's no conversation about how do you allow people who are searching for God, searching for spirituality to find it in the place they should find it, which is a church that's really spiritual. And I think that requires a humility to say, we have to stop all of us looking around and saying, great, I had 60 people leave the Church of Christ to go to the Baptist church down the road. Okay, that's great. If that's where they want to go, that's great. But we need to stop thinking that's fulfilling Jesus' commission to go out and make disciples and change lives. And so what I did is I'm offering up 14 ideas that we can use instead of sheep shuffling. Instead of going around and trying to, and I know when I first became a Christian, uh, I come from a Church of Christ background, a lot of what I was taught early on was how to teach people in other churches they're wrong. And I just don't think that's the way to do it. I think what you have to do is you have to say, wait a minute, how do we reach people who don't know God? If someone's decided to go over here or go over there, that's their choice. But there are more people who are looking and searching and have never heard anything like me, like maybe some of you guys. And we've got to ask, how can we build a church like that? Because guess what? I think the statistics tell us that as the years go by, there are going to be a ton more people who say, I don't want to have anything to do with church. than there are people who are going to say, I want to switch churches. I want to shuffle sheep. I want to sheep shuffle. That sounds like a dance, you know, <laughs> let's do the sheep shuffle. Not a good you know? dance. No, not a good dance. <laughs> I, they wouldn't be, a, it wouldn't be a good, good, good dance. What do you guys think about the idea of trying to get out of just thinking about how do we give the Christian population, the, the Christian church going population, you know, choices of the sandwiches at the, at the Christian McDonald's, how do, instead of worrying about that, how do we, how do we make it possible that people who are searching for God can actually find him for the first time, instead of turning ourselves into a mall where people who go from door to store, uh, what did I hear it is? It's, it's, it's a shopping, church hopping and shopping church hopping and shopping, that people are doing a lot of church hopping and shopping, and, and we're calling that growth. We're saying, oh, we're changing the world. We're not changing the world. If someone who read their Bible you know, for an hour a day 
moved churches and went to a different one. That didn't change the world. It just changed where that sheep decided to shuffle. And so how does that strike you guys? That language probably sounds pretty archaic and old. It is a little religious. I read it in, in these articles, but I think it's accurate. Yeah, it's sheep, sheep, sheep shuffling. That's a, that's, I've never heard that in my life, but I was like, <laughs> wow, that's pretty interesting. <laughs> well, my, so if we put that, there's a song from the, uh, I don't know, the 70s called Do the Hustle. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then it just played, and then all of a sudden it goes, Do the Hustle. We could actually, Sheep Shuffle. Anyway, sorry, Kenzo. You're fine. That's that's really concerning because, like, I mean, yeah, that's uh, like, I mean, the sheep shuffling things doesn't sound like super great. (laughs) Like, it sounds kind of like they're being deceived. Like, kind of, we're like trying to trick ourselves into thinking like we're growing, you know, or as different churches when it's just people are just moving around. And I think more people, like, not no one gets to really like change their life. You know, as like somebody who's known God their entire lives, like already know who he is. And like, you know, people who don't know God, like don't get to have that opportunity. So that's, that, that's yes. like, definitely like this, I know it kind of leaves a bad taste in my mouth. I even, I, I even thought about like the first thing that I, that I thought of when you said sheep shuffle was like, I'm a magician. Yeah. So like, I was thinking about shuffling cards and stuff. Right. Like when you shuffle cards, like you, you're like, you always have 52, like in the deck. Like you, and then you, you can shuffle them however many times you want. There's always going to be 52 in the deck. <laughs> we got to start stacking the deck. We got to get, like, start adding, like, exactly. adding more cards in there. Exactly. So, that's a, that's and, and so you're magic. saying, no, you're saying no matter, no matter, no matter how you do it, no matter how cool it looks, no matter how and all people are, there's still just 52 there. Mm. Yeah. There's still 52. I, like that. And, I and love like, that. Yeah. It's, you can take stuff out. You can put, you know, but like, I think like we got to start putting stuff in like new mm. cards, like that are just cooler and like, I don't know, have different ideas. I don't know. It's I cool. agree. Go for it, Parker. I like that. I, yeah, I was thinking, uh, yeah, just with the with the whole shuffling. I know I, I can imagine. I mean, I don't I don't run a church and, and get all I don't know feel pressure with the numbers, but I, I think I can imagine if 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 that was me, like I wouldn't want to hear that. I'm like, man, leave me alone. I got my plus my plus whatever this week. I, I hit my quota. <laughs> it's like it's like uh, it's like it's kind of like cheating on a test and then getting an A and being all excited you got an A. It's like, yeah, did you though? I mean, uh, but I think, but that's that's a, like a hard. Even what we talked about in previous episodes, like that's a hard, uh, like that's uncomfortable to realize. Man, I, I feel like I'm doing well, but I'm kind of just deceiving myself that we're not we're not reaching. Um, like this whole, the whole point of this is, is reaching Gentiles and making a church that's going to reach the people that aren't there. And it's like, man, we're not, not, not doing that. So that's, yeah, I think one yeah, of the reasons, awesome. we, and, and again, I, I'm, if, if someone wants to do that, I think that's fine. If someone says, well, I think it's great that my church is more attractive than the church on the corner. That's great. I have no problem with that. I just don't think that's going to change the world. And so because somebody crosses the street and goes from a Christian reform church to a Methodist church, okay, cool. The Methodist church's gym is better or the Methodist church's, you know, sermons are better. But at the end of the day, when God is watching, I'm not sure we've helped more people in a significant way. And what you see is the numbers going down. Stone, get on in here. Yeah. Well, first of all, I've been totally guilty of this. I remember particularly as a young you know, person. Uh, and I would want to get somebody to come to church with me. I said, like, well, you know, I want somebody to come to church or I'll meet somebody. And my, uh, 
the way that I would try to get them to come is try to convince them we had a really cool band or the singing was great. And we, I would try to entice them with all these cool church stuff. And if we had a gym, I probably would have said that too. But I, I think as uh, there are other times when I've gotten to know somebody as a real friend and I've seen the things in their life that they really are hurting them. And finally, you know, had the compassion to try to want to teach them what God said about that and how to really change a life. But I have totally done it on both sides where I wanted to bring somebody. And so I tried to convince them we had some really cool stuff as a church. But now, now, now is, isn't, isn't it true, Stone, that when you're trying, whoever you were trying to convince must have been religious because I had a church up the street from my house yeah. that when I was growing up that had a gym. Yeah. I would never set, I never set foot in the gym and I never set foot in that church because the gym was in the church. Right. I lit- in fact, it wasn't until years later, uh, 10, 11 years later, I became a Christian, went back to my hometown, and there, a bunch of guys I knew wanted to play, and they were going to play in that church's gym. And that was the first time I set my foot in there because if, if someone is a Gentile or a, 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 you know, a, a pagan or whatever you want to call yeah. us, because I'm one of them, there is not enough stuff you can put in the church that'll make them go in there. So whoever you were talking to probably was already religious ah, yep. and you were selling them that my church is better than your yep. church. Is that what yep. you're talking about? Yep. Been there, done yeah. that, right? Yeah. 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 I've done that too. <laughs> yeah. You, and it's because you're, you're, you, you know, it, why is Amazon so great? Amazon didn't sit down and say, how do we beat borders? How do we beat Barnes and Nobles? Right. Amazon sat down and said, how do we get books to people wherever they are, whenever they are, however they are? And I think when you ask the question, how do I compete and beat somebody? You're more likely to sheep shuffle. But when you ask the question, how do I help somebody? You're more likely to say, how do I serve? And so I think that that's what you're really talking about. And that's awesome. Yeah, that's actually something like something I've experienced in the past. I mean, like, I mean, Going to going to the Anza and and San Jose State, like, I mean, there's other like churches and other people like you know like over there, and I think a lot of time, oftentimes, like I, um, I would try to invite you know like I like I, I wouldn't know they're from a different church, and I would try to invite them like, hey, you want to come to like uh, Friday Friday night devotional? I was like, oh, I have my own thing. It's like you know, so we're like talk about that and we're trying to talk and then it's like so you want to come and he's like i'll go to yours if you come to mine and <laughs> yeah and i'm yeah. just like i'm like oh okay but but it's it's funny because what I've, i mean this is like my own thing but like i think when i when i meet people who like are from other churches like instead of like getting them to come to to church or getting them to come to devotionals or events like i think it's more engaging to like have conversations with them and go like hey what do you believe in like what's the what, what do you like What's your story? Like, wh- well, why you is know, that real if, to you? if you look at this from the point of view of what we're talking about, it the, the 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 real question is, why am I interested in proving to someone who goes to church they're wrong? Right. Mm-hmm. Like, should I yeah. even be interested in that? Right. That's my mm-hmm. takeaway. Right. Is is if somebody's made their choice, they know what they want to do, mm-hmm. then our focus should be on the hundreds of millions of people in America who haven't made a choice, don't think about it and don't know the path. And I think what you're underscoring to me is the fault that, that I know I've had. Uh, I tend to actually have a lot of friends who, who just don't 
want to have anything to do with church. And uh, that's the circle I tend to travel in. And I have had uh, friends of mine who've helped me uh, begin my startup. I had friends of mine who've helped me with a variety of areas of my life uh, to learn and understand how to uh, lead, to learn and understand how to manage finances, to learn and understand how to parent kid, my kids or teach the kids sports. Or I've had a ton of people who have no interest in church that have helped me in my life. And I think what you're underlining to me is that the mindset that is traditional, it just always is lurking saying, I'm walking into society and I've got my mind on how do I show people I'm right and how do I show people they're wrong? And I think it's really hard to get out of it. And you're saying, well, what are we supposed to do? I thought the whole point is help you become Christians. Okay, I think that is a point, but I think the first point is how do you live like a Christian? Mm -hmm. And I think living like a Christian is about loving people, caring about people, and getting to know people. And I think a lot of people who go to church have very, very few friends that are outside of it. Mm -hmm. And, And there are some who have friends that are outside of it, but instead of them becoming an inspiration to the person, they end up going out and, and, and what did you say in an earlier episode? They end up joining the rave party instead of, you know, like they end up getting, they end up getting evangelized by the rave instead of inspiring the other person to become spiritual. I think there's so much judgmentalism yeah. that we can have that we, and I, I take responsibility in my life that we bred into ourselves that we can't even get our heads around the idea that we're supposed to help people change their lives. And I yeah. think, Stone was talking about this earlier, I think I have so many issues in my life, so many things I've had to deal with, so many things I've had to change to be, uh, learn how to be a husband, learn how to be a father, learn how to be a friend, learn how to be a spiritual person. All of them did not come naturally to me. Right. I need help. So I, why would I look at someone else and say, gee, I see all your problems. Let me help you with them. Uh, no, I sit down and I talk to people and I, I, I tell them, this is what I'm working on. Uh, I, this is what I'm trying to change. Here is how I'm trying to grow. And there are a lot of people who are like, oh, let me tell you how I'm trying to grow. There are other people who are like, why are you even telling me that? I'm not interested in hearing about your life. But most people are. And I've had conversations in places that have lasted for hours because people were so into talking uh, about these things. I had a friend of mine. Uh, a neighbor of, well, a, a friend of mine who had a neighbor who passed away uh, from a, a really unfortunate tragedy that I won't get into. But he came into a coffee shop I was sitting in and he was on the brink of tears. And we talked for a long time about that. And I think part of what being non traditional Christian, being a 21st century Christian is, is if your life is attractive, that should sell, that should sell anything you're trying to sell. But when we yeah. immediately go to argument, we're saying, my life is not inspiring enough, so I've got to go into the courtroom right. and convict and get the verdict guilty so that the person will do what I do. <laughs> I, 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 just, I don't think Jesus was that way. I think Jesus was out healing and changing lives, and people wanted to come see him so they could get healed and so they could get help. They were like, this dude is the Michael Jordan of life. This mm. dude is the Larry Bird of life. This dude is the LeBron James <laughs> of life. You know what I'm saying? And so they wanted to be around him. And I think for for all of us, we have to ask ourselves the question, has traditionalism 
made us unrelatable? Has traditionalism made our brains literally walk around with a form of entitlement and self-righteousness that makes us incapable of having a conversation without judging a person as having been on the wrong side or, or, or the right side? And so I, what's exciting to me in the 21st century is I haven't lost a single belief I have about what it takes to be a Christian, how to live as a Christian. But I've dropped a lot of the tradition that I've had that says this is how to think about the world and this is how to think about people. I think um, Jesus thought about people very differently than we did. I don't think he went around looking at targets. I think he went around looking at people. And I think it's because he was a very spiritual guy. And it's one of the reasons why I started looking at thinking differently about the 21st century church. And there's 14 ideas that I have. I want to run them by you guys, if you don't mind. You get into it? Yeah. We'll do it real yeah, quick. Yeah. All right. My number one idea, and again, if you're listening, all my ideas could be wrong. I'm totally happy with that. Everything we've said this episode and previous episodes could be wrong. I'm fine with deleting these podcasts and starting over as soon as I figure out what way to go. But just the idea of stretching our minds is good. Number one, the gospel to the Gentiles. In the book of Galatians, Paul says he created a totally different gospel for the Gentiles. He got rid of all the Jewish law, said you don't have to do it. You just do the pure gospel. And that caused some consternation. The gospel of the Gentiles, in other words, for us today, it's not about being right. It's about thinking different. So what I'm saying is that when we start looking at uh, church and each other and talking to people about God, we need to not so much argue about being right as much as thinking different. Mm. How do we think different? That's number two. I'm going to go through five of them, and then you tell me which ones you like the most or which ones that hit you. Number two, about the 21st century idea for building a church, 14 ideas. We have to start thinking different instead of arguing about being right. That's number one, that if you're going to reach the Gentiles, if you're going to reach the, non, the non-interested in church, we have to approach it from, I'm not always trying to prove I'm right and win the argument. I'm trying to think different about how to inspire people. But number two, we have to choose, are we going to resist change or are we going to embrace reinvention and really say, I'm going to, I'm going to start being very welcoming of change. Number three, are we trying to be relevant, relevant in our own Christian circles, prove to other churches and other Christians that we're, we're doing the right thing, we're conforming to it, or are we willing to reimagine, to say, let me reimagine church in a way that involves Kenzo coming out to speak one day to some music that's played while he's coming out like a celebrity. Let's go, Kenzo. Number four, culture. In First Chronicles 12.32, it says we need to understand the times, and that if you don't understand your culture, you cannot reach the people in your culture. So using the Bible as a cultural guide is a mistake. You can't, I remember when I was a younger Christian, they came, there were some people who came out with an innovation called street preaching. And it was street preaching because they were like, well, you go out in the street and you preach. Well, prior to that time, everybody I saw preaching the Bible in the street, I had already thought, I always thought was crazy. But then all of a sudden I see myself doing it. It's because what we did is we took a, a first century cultural thing and tried to make it a, you know, 1980s cultural thing. And it wasn't. In the 80s, people didn't think it was hip to go out and preach in the streets. But what it was is we got mixed up looking at the culture of the Bible and tried to take the Bible and apply the culture for now. What's going on today culturally? People are talking about climate change. They're talking about race. They're talking about women. They're talking about equality instead of entitlement. 
people in work are talking about emotional and social intelligence. People are talking about inspired spirituality over organized religion. If we don't start to say, wait a minute, the world we live in has changed and we have to adapt to that culture. It doesn't mean you compromise and go, we're not going to talk about righteousness anymore. We're not going to talk about humility anymore. It means you say, what are people into and where is our world going? And number five, and you guys get in here, I think another idea is to understand Christianity is not about, it's about relationships, not rules. That Christianity is a relationship religion. I just took these first five and said, I think this is how you kind of change your brain to be able to think differently. Any of those strike you guys or freak you out? Well, I tell you, the one I identified or I really liked, um, going from number one and number two, being right versus, in, and, and uh, it's not about being right, but about thinking different. But number two, I think, sort of gets into the weeds of that in my mind, which is, you know, um, when I need to be right, I really resist change. And that's, uh, so I, I, I really identified that. And what I, what embracing reinvention is about the, the just being, uh, enjoying the process of changing all the time. And I yes. think what happens to people, because I'll, I'll go from my own personal experience, is I get so attached to how I look and how people view me that having a conversation about changing or reinvention or being, uh, you know, reinventing myself is, uh, is, is having to accept that, look, I still have room to change. But yeah. I think in our whether pride or, uh, you know, be, being attached to my image looking good and being right makes it impossible to admit that there are areas for, for growth and change. Right. So that, that hit. Parker, you look like you're meditating on something or you've got a sandwich hidden away that you're about <laughs> to munch on while I'm hungry. Uh, I think, I mean, I was, I was, I was thinking about, I mean, my favorite one on here is, is culture for sure. Understanding the times. I know something that we I mean, Kendall talk about me and you have talked about is just the, uh, you know, applying things now uh, to like to the Bible and to our relationship with God and things like that and how important that is. I think even I was just thinking, I was really looking at yesterday, I had, I had written a, uh, a Bible study on, you know, this J. Cole song called Change uh, a while ago and how we can, how that helps me, you know, in my relationship with God. And I think that stuff is important. Like when I'm talking about, like even uh, a couple episodes ago, when we were talking about, uh, you know, people on the basketball court and talking to them about religion. That's what, that's what like, uh, that's the language that, that the people speak, that the people around us speak. And if we can, uh, uh, you know, I, I think change, you know, what, what people already think about church and actually, you know, God is about a lot more than just these rules or morals or things like that. Um, uh, that that's what's inspiring to me um, about that. I definitely also felt that that first one, I feel like, Kenzo is, is always, he's my roommate. He's always telling me it's not about being right, Parker, because I'm always trying to, I'm always trying to say the right thing or, or be correct and, and know more than anyone else. So perfect, Parker. Me. All right, Kenzo, I'm going to make, I'm going to make you work on the next, the next ones. Okay. Sounds good. Number six idea, spirituality. That's about making your church spiritual getting rid of the religiosity. And I think that comes down to having a mindset to be transformational versus behavioral. Behavioral is about, let's get the outside looking right. Transformational is about, if we grow and change and mature inside, the outside will take care of itself. And I know one thing I used to feel a lot of pressure about in church, and probably still do, is that 
everybody's looking at your performance. Everybody's judging how you do on the outside. And so it puts a lot of pressure to conform instead of be transformed. And so I think they're actually transformational Christians and behavioral Christians. And I think in churches, oftentimes these two groups are in conflict because the behavioral Christians appear to be perfect because they work so hard to look like they got it all together. Transformational Christians are usually the ones blowing it, usually ones with the bad church rap, you know, whatever it is, or church rep. They, they got that rep. Oh, yeah, you know about him. They're the ones everybody gossips and slanders and rumors about because they're living life out loud. The behavioral ones keep it tight. They don't tell anybody anything. They're not transparent. They're not vulnerable because they're trying to win the performance. They want to, when they get to heaven, they want to be called up there for best performance in a religious movie goes to, you know, whereas the transformational Christians like, I don't care if I win an award. I actually want to know God and walk with God in a spiritual way and reach depths that I've never reached before. Number seven is diversity. Mm. So not only is there spirituality, there's diversity. I think one of the things that a church has to do if it's going to exist in the 21st century is it has to be able to have a conversation about race. It's got to be able to have conversations about the role women will play. It's got to have conversations about ethnicity and immigrants. It's got to have conversations about traditional roles or the innovation of those roles. I know when I grew up, you know, there were many people in my community where the man went and worked and the, the wife stayed home, took care of the kids. In my family, my mom and dad both work. And so I grew up in that environment, and that's what I always thought was normal. Uh, and I'm not saying one's better than the other. I'm saying that women have a right in the church. I don't think the Bible supports anything about denigrating or putting their role in a lesser way. I think in the same way, race, you know, we just seen recently in the news, a lot of racism toward Asians. We know historically there's a lot of racism toward uh, African-Americans. We know there's racism toward Hispanics, where many of them are considered immigrants. People, I think, often say these are political issues. No, they're not. These are human issues, and they're things that you have to be able to talk about. One of the reasons that Sunday morning, that goes back to a, a quote from the civil rights in the civil rights movement uh, uh, in the 60s, was Sunday morning is the most segregated hour in America. One of the reasons Sunday morning remains one of the most segregated hours in America is not, I think, because everybody is necessarily wants it that way. We don't know how to be together. We don't know how to be together in an intimate family setting where races, women, ethnicities, traditional roles, we can talk about them, we can change them and create that tapestry that really is more powerful. And I think that was a tension in the New Testament. The tension was the Jewish uh, uh, dominance, predominance in the church made it difficult for the Gentiles to come in and say, hey, we're not into all this. Nobody's circumcising me. Nobody's going to give me a new diet. Nobody's doing, we're in, what in the world is that all about? But they had to work that stuff out and it caused tension. And I think sometimes people in churches, they don't understand that their issue isn't with a particular leader. Their issue is with diversity. Their issue isn't with Women, their issues with diversity, that they may be in a position where they have more societal dominance and they don't want to lose their dominance. Diversity is a conversation you have to have if you want to have a 21st century church. Number eight, accessibility, removing the religiosity, the insular language, the insular thoughts and focusing more on being inspiring. 
removing traditions, things that are not in the Bible that we just like doing, and making ourselves maybe a little more uncomfortable to make outsiders feel more comfortable, meaning those outside come in and go, this is accessible to me. Look, we're not, you don't throw everything out, but I think in many ways, just thinking this way changes everything. What do you think about those three right there, Kenzo? Man, uh, those three are really good. Um, I think what, what stands out to me, I think, I think with the, the spirituality and the diversity, I think that those are like really important. Cause I feel like when you tackle those things, like it kind of already, that will like speak to the accessibility, like where it's like ah. the heart behind it, you know? I think that that's um, something that I was thinking with the behavioral stuff is like, you know, as much as I get on Parker for not being, you know, with the, just not being right or like, you know, just like being right all the time, I can yeah. sometimes just lose the heart of it and just do, do what I'm told. Because um, I, I, I mean, I, yeah, I grew up in the all boys private uh, private school, like, you know, in the Philippines. Yeah. So you never would want to make any trouble, <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, cause like if you make trouble, like if you get kicked out, you're essentially like losing all your, all your parents' money. <laughs> so yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. so yeah, I think like I was at a really young age, I was hardwired to be, make sure like I knew my, the behavior, the, yes. the behavior, the right, the right way to kind of do things. Um, I think spirituality is so important because like, um, like as, and I think it relates with diversity too. It's, I think like people when they're focused on behaviors is they're focused on other people. Like all they oh, see wow. is like, man, this is like what's happening. Like I have to perform this way because that person's gonna get on me. Like yes. you know, I, I get so scared of what people think about me all the time. Like I'm like right. literally like I was like praying about it this morning. I was like, if I don't call like a friend in like two months, like I feel like they're mad at me because they're like, yes. oh, I'm not making them a part of my life. It's like, but they're right. like, they're literally like not even thinking that, but that's just my own insecurity. And I think like um, people stop, like people stop being more accepting of other people when they focus on people instead of who God is. That's beautiful. Like, and that's, that's, I think like really important. And a lot of people attribute or associate God with like, things that people have done, like the, the, the religious things that people have done instead of, instead of like going, okay, no, who, who is actually God? Like, do you actually like know him based on the Bible or yes. do you know him based on what people have told you, you know? So I think that's, that's awesome. Important. That's yeah. awesome. I'm going to go to number nine and number 10, number 11. So again, these are ideas, 14 ideas for building the 21st century church, for taking all we've been talking about, Gentiles, non-traditional, thinking different, all these things, and saying, how do you, like, let's say I have a little house church of 15 people or 12 people, and I'm out, you know, in, in, in Iowa, or I'm out in Michigan. I think you can do this, and you can start building. And I think if you do some of these things, you'll be amazed at how much more comfortable people will be and how much more accessible God will be. But number nine is non-traditional. I think a non-traditional church, and some people might want to call it non-denominational. I'm not anti-denomination, so I'm a little leery about that. But non-traditional is it's about the Bible, not the label. So from what I can tell when reading the Bible, the spirituality, the path to Jesus, the path to God, the path to the Holy Spirit, the path to the great experience of being spiritual— it's about the Bible, not the label, and not about sitting down and saying, I'm Methodist, I'm Baptist, I'm Church of Christ, I'm Christian Church, I belong to this group. And I, 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 I don't think groups are wrong, but I think they can be inaccessible. I, I, you know, There's one church in San Antonio that uh, the, the people leading the church decided to get rid of 
uh, Church of Christ on the name. And there were people from the Church of Christ, and it was the Church of Christ, that were mad about that and left that church. Um, but then that church grew uh, in number of people who came by about 1,500 in two years. And then it's, 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 I think, tripled or quadrupled in size since they made that decision. And, and most of the people who started coming to their church said, we had passed your church before, we had thought about going, but when we saw Church of Christ, we thought the Church of Christ was very legalistic, and we didn't want to have anything to do with that. But when you took that off, it made us think, oh, we can go now. I don't know that I, I I'm not trying to say the Church of Christ is legalistic or not. I'm saying people have a view of denominations that oftentimes lock them out to even considering the church. I think it's great if someone's part of a denomination, but we are going to need some churches that are non-traditional that say it's about the Bible, not the label. So people can walk in, even though they may have had a bad uh, experience, the traditional mindset. I think the traditional mindset is something we have to beat. We've already kind of talked about this, but restricting innovation through regulation. Oftentimes what happens and I, I've watched this happen a couple of times. There's one particular uh, a, a large denomination that has uh, is, is having to deal with some doctrinal issues within their fold of churches around the world. And so they're kind of kicking some of them out. And uh, I'm like, OK, but sometimes the power of a centralized denomination is that if one of their congregations decides to do something innovative it gets crushed by a regulation that you can't do that here. Uh, and so I remember when I was coming up uh, it, uh, in the church I was attending, clapping was considered an instrument, so you weren't allowed to even clap when you sang. Everything was a cappella. Now, eventually, the church I was going to changed that and said, oh, well, we can clap. But I'm just saying that was sort of a mandate from central headquarters, and as a result, people didn't clap. I remember when I first came, they said, you can't dance. Then eventually some people said you could dance. And I was big into dancing when I was in college. They said, yeah. you can't dance. Dancing, they didn't really say it was a sin, but pretty much it was a regulation. And so I, I, I lost years. Yes. Kenzo, yeah. Parker, I lost some of my best dancing years <laughs> because of the regulation. So the traditional mindset tends to restrict innovation through regulation. Finally, number 11, empower and inspire. I think and to build a non-traditional church that really reaches a lot of people, you have to empower and inspire. I think the best way to describe that is with Kenzo's language, talking about what we can do and what we're for instead of always talking about what we're against and what we can't do. Yeah, the, the, the most inspiring at first is the, Actually, the non-traditional one, because I think, uh, I mean, there's so much I don't know about denominations and and what a non-denominational. <laughs> Kenzo shaking his head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but I think, but what is inspiring, and and um, I mean, what got me to really want a relationship with God was was God, and not like <laughs> the singing or the sheep shuffle or whatever else we did. And, uh, but anyway, I, I think that's good. I also think about, uh, yeah, empower and inspire. I do like professor Kenzo's, uh, uh, uh language on inspiring people about 
yeah, what we can do instead of arguing about what's what's bad and and you're bad for doing this and I'm bad for doing that and it's like all down on right. each other. But actually, I yeah, so that, that's inspiring. That's great. Let's go on down to the to the final ones, twelve, thirteen, and fourteen. So I think another idea is to emphasize service instead of relevance. Non-traditional spiritual leaders seek to serve rather than to become or sustain relevance. As I get older, what I've been told a lot is uh, you got to be careful because in churches, the older people tend to want to hold on to power. Uh, I've been reading a book about boomers written by a millennial, and her position is that the boomers are one of the major reasons we have polarization. One of the major reasons we're stuck is because they're carrying all this baggage from the 50s and the 60s, and maybe the 40s, I don't I think it's the 50s and the 60s, they're carrying all this baggage that holds us back in society. And I think sometimes what can happen as you get older, and I'm getting older, is you can see people that are younger than you. I was watching a newscast uh, from Michigan, my home state, or this, my home state's California, but where I grew up. And uh, 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 the young lady doing it, I was my wife and I were watching her, she was talking about the snowfall and all this, and I was like, that girl looks like like a kid. And uh, she looks like my daughter, you know, like she's so young. And at that moment, I realized how old I was. Because I used to watch television and never think anybody was young. I used to always think people on television were old. That's funny. And I realized that part of what happens to us as we age is we can feel our relevance slipping away as young people become the journalists, as they become the anchors on news, as they become the actors. I mean, I grew up on Denzel Washington. And now his son, I think it's John David Washington. Yeah. Now I'm, watch, I'm watching him. And I'm like, wait a minute, I'm not watching Denzel. I'm watching his son. So what does that say about me? And I think what happens in churches oftentimes is our motives are exposed as being for relevance and not service. And I had this. I want the attention. I want the status. I want the power as opposed to I want to serve. And if we're going to reach the 21st century, we're going to have to say, I'm here to serve. And when younger people come in and want to change things, we have to say, you know what? I'm willing to change it because I'm here to serve or empower. Number 13, change lives or increase membership. I think we have to all go back to the drawing board and ask the question, are we trying to change the world by changing lives, our own lives, the lives of others? Or is our focus on, I want to grow my church to increase membership? If I want to grow my church to increase membership, guess what I'm going to do a lot? Of, I'm going to sheep shuffle. I'm going to yeah. try to attract. I'm going to try to attract the Christian audience to my church. That's totally fine, but it's not going to change the world because when they do the math, the same number of people are going to be believing in God and knowing God as they were before. And so I think changing lives has to be your focus if you want to build a 21st century church. Because I do think people want help with their lives, but they don't necessarily want to increase your membership. And finally. To do all of this, we have to get out of the bubble and see the big picture. We have to get out of the bubble and see the big picture. When we're involved in insularity or being insular, we talk to ourselves. We may even talk to another person that's part of our denomination. But we never get outside of it and ask somebody who's not in our denomination and doesn't think like us, doesn't believe like us, doesn't use our language, doesn't have any idea about our way of doing things, that just comes in and says, Oh, this is the way I think about life. I had a friend of mine who helped me with my startup. He grew up in Germany and he was like very anti-religion. 
And he equated religion to the Nazi regime, that they had religious uh, undertones. And that's how he grew up thinking about it. He said, I just think anything like that is not good for society. I think we're not going to change the world if we can't find a way to make ourselves see the big picture. Whether we agree with people or not, we need to hear them out. And when we do, we'll get out of our bubble and we'll rethink church. Stone, which one of those do you want to leave us with that hits you and says, this is a good one to end on and to, to, to have people walk away thinking about? No, service or relevance, for sure. Um, I think as I'm 62, and I see the guys, Parker and Kenzo or some of them, very talented guys. You know, I see the future is in capable hands. And um, even the guys, you know, that I think are young, they're they're in their 40s. Right. Those are grown, grown people with a lot right. of experience. So I think when I want to try to fight for relevance, uh, it's something I can't control. I know that there are people with more talents coming up behind me. And if I if I'm trying to fight for relevance, I'm just going to end up being phenomenally insecure. But what I do have is I have life experiences, been there, done that. And I think that sets me up to serve. And I think you find a lot of a joy in serving. But I, but it does require that you have to change your mindset. And and uh, but I think that the relevance one's going to get us all of us that are getting older. It's going to be one of those uh uh, it's going to be one that we're going to have to wrestle with a bit, but I think service creates an environment for us to, to bring our talents and experiences into a place where we can make other people better. That's it, boy. I agree with that. Steph Curry, boy, he's a good example. He's young, but that's a guy who constantly says, what do I need to do to make our team win? And what role do I need to play? And if there's other stars in the team that get more credit and I get kind of put down and treat it like I'm not that good, I'm good. As long as I'm walking away with that trophy and I think that's part of what we all have to have a heart of. If you're sitting around thinking about all these things and kind of want to have a conversation about them, that'd be great. Because that's what we want to do is start a conversation, a conversation that is a deep spirituality conversation. We really don't want to always just talk about Christianity and churches. And this is one of our first forays into really talking about church building. But the reason we're talking about it is because we think spirituality is breaking free of a lot of the confines, rules, regulations, and thought processes that are keeping tons of people from even considering church. In other words, we want to ask the question, What's the church that God wants us to be instead of the church we've always been? Thanks for listening to Despirituality. Don't forget to like our podcast, uh, whether you listen to it, Apple Podcasts, uh, uh, Spotify, wherever you listen. Please like us and please give us, you know, five stars, 25 stars, 35 stars. Max it out and share this with your friends, too. And remember, we're not trying to start an argument or be right. We're trying to stimulate discussion, get conversation going, because the best Christians are thinking Christians who come up with ways to make the church accessible to people who really are searching for it but can't find it. Have a wonderful rest of the year, and hopefully when you're listening to this, the pandemic is a lot less dangerous than it is today.